Horse helps it on to Tyrone Mings and Konza! Esri Konza strikes gold for Aston Villa! Gather round the lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. If at first you don't succeed, come back next year and try again. Aston Villa celebrates the pleasure of promotion to the Premier League. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Gathering the Lamp podcast. As always, I'm your host, Regan. You can find me on Twitter at FindFoy. And I'm joined as always by Mark. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Mark Jarebi here. I apologize for my voice. I got a little bit of a cold, and I was screaming after what we just saw against Watford. So bear with me. We're going to get into Watford in a little bit here. But first, got to go over some of the news in the past week and, of course, the uh, Brighton result, the 1-1 draw. Yeah, yeah, we've got we've got a lot to work through, really. Um, it's it's going to probably, you know, after the highs of tonight's result against Watford, a, a lot of people are going to be wanting to hear about that first. But unfortunately, in the world of uh, a world of podcasting, you know, we can't just always uh, you know cover a a, uh, a game directly afterwards. So we've got to cover the Brighton game. We've got to cover a bit of the news and happenings around the club, and then we'll get straight into the Watford game. Um, but to start off, uh, you know, we signed Pepe Reina last week um, on loan until the end of the season, and he made his debut against Brighton. Um, you know, what did you think about Pepe Reina joining? Do you think it's strange to see him in a kit? Um, you know, he's played for some huge clubs. Yeah. Not that Villa isn't a huge club, of course. Right, yeah, Villa's not, you know, Villa's obviously a massive club, but for me, this is, like, really strange. Um, it's really strange to me to see such a decorated player in a Villa kit, and I know it's, the, it's like, towards the end of his career, and he hasn't played a lot lately, but I like the move. Uh, it kind of signals to me that they know they, they were missing leadership with uh, Heaton not being around, uh, obviously being out injured. He's not going to just be hanging around the guys as much. So he kind of needed a, a cool head, not only for in between the sticks, but also in the dressing room itself. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, I've I've seen him like, you know, in in his in the games that he's played in so far, I've seen him really kind of instructing the defenders and and really taking it upon him to kind of, you know, instruct them where to go, uh, where they should be, and, and things like that. And you know, Heaton does do that, but you know, Neeland is pro- probably not as confident as a ke- of a keeper. Um, and I was all for Oya Nealand, you know, keeping the number one spot with his recent performances. I, I, I think he'll probably start in the cup uh, next week against Leicester. But it is it is really good to see such an experienced kind of player uh, between the sticks. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. I have nothing against Nealon. What in any capacity? I think he's going to get better. The you know the more he plays, obviously that's kind of how it goes with these goalkeepers. But I don't think that he has some of the personality traits. He hasn't, I guess, quote unquote, been around the block the same way that Pepe Reina has in, in that kind of capacity. So again, I think it's a leadership thing. I think a, a lot of it. I think a lot of people like they looked at this like, oh, here we go. We're just going to be like, we're going to start signing these old, you know, Premier League experienced guys that are in the the last stages, maybe last season, season or two of their career. But I mean, for what we've seen with Pepe Reina so far, even though he only signed about a week ago, I I can't really slate the signing whatsoever, man. I don't think anybody could. I think he's he's certainly a 
Oh, I can't think of the word. Um, he's certainly appreciated by by the Villa fans at the moment. Uh, I don't think anyone's had anything negative to say about the signing since he's started playing. Um, the, the, obviously, most people will know the result of the, the Brighton game at this point, unless you've been have, having a bit of a Villa hiatus or something. Um you know, it was a one-all draw, but it felt somewhat like a win. Um, you know, Rayner got his debut, Danny Drinkwater um, got his second consecutive game while he builds fitness. And really, the, the, the first half performance from Villa was pretty uninspiring. Um, you know, they headed into the dressing room 1-0 down away from home thanks to a... a uh, a goal where it kind of cuts across the goal um, with a shot from uh, Leandro Trossard. Um, but, you know, Dean Smith spoke after the game saying that the, the team were too... I guess I guess they, they were like puppies. They were they were like dogs, you know. They, they just rolled over and, and, you know, showed their underbelly. Um, you know, what, what did you make of that first half? Uh, the first half of Brighton, it was just way too passive. And it, it was even it, just simple things like giving your fellow players support, uh, making supporting runs forward. Even in some cases, just the communication, it seemed like they weren't talking on the pitch. And that's that's not good to see at all, especially when you're talking about you know needing a, a big three points against a team like Brighton. And it's no disrespect to them. I know they can play and they do what they do very well. But it, it was just one of those first halves where by halftime, I'm, I'm kind of sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm like, are they actually going to come out of the room with like a, a little bit of, you know, a little bit the fire under their bottom a little bit so I wasn't I wasn't too sure that it, they were going to turn it around or you know where the it was basically like where's the goal coming from where's the, the pattern of play coming from it seemed like everybody was just on different pages of the same book you, you saw little glimpses of, of what could be but it just it never really it never really worked out for him so it was, it was a little concerning after that first half for me yeah, and I mean, I think I think in the second half, you know, like you said, that you wanted to come out with a bit of fire in their bellies, and I don't think they necessarily started that way. But as the as the second half kind of edged forwards, um, it, it it kind of became apparent that you know Villa weren't weren't gonna just you know leave uh, leave the Amex without giving it a real good go, um, and I think really things changed when uh when Trezeguet and uh, Danny Drinkwater were replaced uh, by uh, Douglas Louise and the young American forward. He's, a lot of people are calling him a striker, but he, he's he's a winger by trade, um, I'm pretty sure. Um, and that's Indiana Vasilev. You know, they both made a mammoth impact um, in, in basically securing the goal for Villa. Yeah, you're right, though. Vasilev can play all, all on the front three. He is, by... By trade, he's a winger. I mean, he's not really a striker, but he has played there more often this season. I think a couple times last season for the under twenty threes or under eighteens, rather, he would he played there as well. Um, the the substitutions at this point in time were <laughs> integral to the win or to the draw, rather. Like I said, like you just said, it, it feels like a win against Brighton because of the way that the the strike happened and how lackluster the first forty five minutes were. But um. Yeah, I I think that the subs were right on time. Uh, um, Douglas Louise, uh, I think he's a little upset that Danny Drinkwater came in, and I think he's a little upset that Danny Drinkwater is getting minutes over him. Um, that's just my opinion. There's something about his body language, some change there with Douglas Louise since we've acquired Danny Drinkwater. It's it's really really obvious to me. Other people might see. I might just reaching for an excuse there, but I think something kind of kicked over in his mind a little bit. But I'm really really happy about the second half performance. Um, I'm I'm not too 
I'm not too keen on how they're playing Vasilev. They kind of it almost seems like as they are putting him up front, it seems they still want him to do the thing that El Ghazi and the same thing that Wesley's doing with holding up the ball. But Vasilev's more of a cut inside, cut behind, and Dean Smith alluded to that as well. That's probably his stronger point. But it's just to get him playing like that. That that that's going to be massive for the for the young American. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he's he's showcased what he can bring, um, and you know, even if he's not. You know, getting touches of the ball, he's he's providing uh, an energy up front that you know hasn't really been seen down Villa Park, um, probably since you know the, the days of um, of of early Jonathan Codger, um, and obviously we'll we'll get on to speaking more about Codger uh, later on in the podcast. But you know, he's got that kind of nippy pace, and you know, he's not afraid to try and run and close down and put defenders under pressure. Um, and you know, as I said, Louise and and Vasilev had a had a huge impact on the game that day. Um, you know, Douglas Louise uh, caught uh, Brighton in in possession on the on the right hand side and curled this like absolutely exquisite pass um, across the pitch. And you know, it found Jack Grealish all alone on the far side of the eighteen yard box. Um, you know, he takes a touch with his, with his strong foot and then finishes like absolute. You know, it was it was it was like a lightning bolt with his left foot, and in, you know, it ended up in the back of the net. Um, but really, the space that Grealish was afforded came from that slick run that Indiana Vasilev made to kind of part the seas, as it were. You know, maybe maybe you know we we need to start calling this kid Moses or something. Yeah, I, listen, I, I said it on previous podcasts. Um, I'm always going to be biased when it comes to American players and especially one that plays for the Villa. Uh, so this is what Vasilev does, though. He makes those kind of insurging runs that make defenses think. And if even if he's pulling defenders or even like, you know, a central defensive mid maybe that's marking him, he, even he has the ability to pull guys like maybe three yards off where they probably should be they just give they give the he gives the fences a little bit of something to think about and then when you have other players on the pitch that are really really skillful such as a Douglas Louise or such as a Jack Grealish or such as a Trezeguet El Ghazi those kind of players it opens up space for them to operate that's a big thing you can't teach that that's instinctual so for me like it was a really really even though he basically he didn't touch the ball leading to the goal but he still did a lot of work a very it was very simple but he did enough work that was able to open up that entire left side of the pitch for Jack Grealish for a goal and you can't understate what this point means because dropping those three points would not have been fun it wouldn't have been something that that Villa was looking for on the day so again even with a lackluster uh, first 45 minutes for the team to bounce back and show a little bit of bite uh, for for the front front three just this this was a really really nice well worked goal Um, but yeah I got to give it to Jack I, I wasn't I was a little nervous when he when he received that ball, I didn't know if he was going to be able to put it in on his weaker foot. What did you make of the game as a whole? You know, were, were you satisfied with the point? Did you know personally for me, I didn't see that goal coming. Um, I don't think many people did, to be fair. Um, but you know, were you satisfied with the point? Did it feel like a bit of a win after the goal? For me, yeah, it felt like a win to me. I, I thought. I didn't think that Villa were going to be able to claw them their way back into this game. Uh, Brighton collapses down really, really well. They can play defensive just as bad as any any other team in the league that prides themselves on that aspect of the game. So I, once Brighton had their one goal, I was like, "This is it. They're setting up shop. We're not going to be able to know what to do." We've seen other teams, you know, do this that that kind of thing to us in previous games where you get a first half lead, it may be very slender, and then they just. I, I don't like saying park the bus because not all teams just flatten it out across. Uh, it's kind of like a compact. Thing with Brighton and other teams like that. Burnley's another team that does that well under Sean Dyche. 
So I, I I wasn't expecting it, and I, I agree with you that I didn't know that this goal was coming. I didn't feel it. It didn't it didn't go across the run of play or anything like that. It was just something where it was just like, oh, it's just one of these days where just we just don't have it together, can't string some passes together. So for me, I, I thought it was a really really good result at the end of the day. You know, depending on the uh, performance. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, to have played that poorly in the first half and then come away still with a point, you know, um, I think, you know, if we were playing a better side, we'd we'd have probably um, been more than a goal down at halftime, uh, the way we were playing. So I think, you know, it, you have to take the positives um, as they come and, you know, securing a point against against a tough Brighton, you know, they're, they're really kind of scrapping it out to, to pick up points at the moment. Um so you know to to come away from the AMX with a point, I I think is is a great result. Um, in the last week or so, you know, there's there's been quite a lot that's happened, um, especially since uh, the the Brighton game. Um, so obviously after much speculation across across this month, Villa have actually signed a striker, and that's uh, Ali Mabuana Samata, who has signed from Genk. Um, I think you can refer to him as Ali Samata or Mbawana Samata. I think you know it's personal preference there. Um, and it it cost the the there's different reports. So it it's either eight point five million pounds or ten million pounds. Um, but with a record of a goal in every two and a half games for Genk, um, Samata's you know. An exciting prospect. He's he's reaching his prime years as a forward. You know he's strong, he's agile, and at times he seemed to be able to pull goals out of thin air. You know, what 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 do you think of of the signing as a whole? Uh, the signing as a whole for me, we we talked about it in the previous summer. This was someone that Villa was linked to when we were kind of doing that little bit of a uh, retooling of a squad to get players back in the door after promotion. Um, I I really like Samada as a player. Um, I, he is coming from the Belgian league again, so that's going to be always a little bit of a risk. But again, Villa can't really be picky right now. Um, you know, the side's not necessarily in the most favorable league position. Uh, not to mention that we already spent a whole boatload of money, so we kind of had to go get a bargain buy a little bit. I believe this will be a bargain buy for Villa. I don't think they're done. I think they're going to probably look for another striker. I think they have to. That's no disrespect to any of the strikers that are still here. Um, I, but I... You're right in the fact that this is a prime age for him. He's 27 years old. He's absolutely loved in his home country. There's a lot of things out, out there about him right now. But the thing that gets most for me is that he has so much positivity. There's something about him. There's like an aura when you see it in these little sit-down interviews or you look for from interviews he had last season to where he sits down. And he just radi- it seems like he just radiates some kind of positivity for me. And I love that. I think you know you need that. Uh, you can say that about a lot of players when they're sitting down for their interviews and talking about after a man-of-the-match performance and stuff like that. But in in the case of Samada, it really looks like he's just really just happy to play football. Like, that's just something that he just does, and that, that's a part of his being. Um, Villa need that. You need personalities like that. So to get a striker like this in the door who has a proven goal-scoring record and seems to be a bit of a positive bloke, I'm all for it, Regan. But I, what do you think? Do you think this is this is something where he, he hits the ground running? I mean, we got we got to start being a little bit more patient with some of the players that are coming through the door at Aston Villa. <laughs> That's a sentiment that I completely agree with. Um, you know, I, I, I tweeted about it during the game today when people were we're moaning about uh, Drinkwater's inclusion in the starting eleven, um, but we'll get onto that a bit later. Um, you know, 
Smarter was Genk's top scorer this season, um, and he was, I think, I'm pretty sure he was their top scorer last season as well as they secured the uh, Europa League title. Um, he also won the either Ebony Boot or Ebony Shoe, uh, which is awarded to the best player of African descent in the league that season. You know, the likes of Lukaku, uh, Yuri Tielemans, uh, Vincent Company have all won that, that award. So that I'm pretty sure Christian Benteke has won it as well, um, but that's the kind of player that we're, we're, we've signed. You know, he's he's amongst those kind of names in in it's in Belgium at least, um, and I think you know he's he's not going to hit the ground running. I, I really don't think he will. You know, the Premier League is a very tough league to come into, um, but you know, with a bit of patience, with a bit of support. From the fans, you know, uh, the 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 chant, the um, the the chant that's been going around on social media recently. You know, if that comes from the stands, um, when he's making his debut, so if you never know, it might fire him up. He might score on his debut. Things like that. We just need to be behind the player. You know, he'll he'll be our most senior and most fit striker at the club, and we need him. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. And like, I I've been I've been um, guilty of it myself, having a, you know a couple knee jerk reactions to maybe some of the players that we've signed either this season, earlier on in the season, or um, you know Danny Drinkwater. He didn't have the greatest debut showing, and I was a little hard on him on social media. And I'm not exactly proud of that, but as, as a fan base, I I think it's just it all comes from a good place when people have these reactions, but. You, you kind of have to take a step back and instead of looking at things with a magnifying glass, you kind of got to, you know, throw that away and put the binoculars on and try to see, you know, what, what's, what's actually going on. Um, so I think with, with Samada, the support from the crowd is going to be really, really massive. Um, and I, I think that he's the kind of player again, just, just by me. And this is all instinctual. I have no factual basis for this. It's, it's just, you know, just an opinion and observation. He, he's going to really feed off of that. Like if he really does hear the, the Sama goal song, you know, being being chanted, you know, throughout Villa Park, I, I really think that's going to kick him on. And I, I think that this needs to be a lesson to a, a lot of the Villa supporters that, you know, are diehard week in, week out, home and away type of uh, type of fans to really get behind this guy and, and really like just just give it all you got for him. Again, I, I'm right there with you. I don't think he kicks off. I'm not expecting 30 goals out of this guy through half a season. But, you know, if he can just contribute to keep this team up, there's no telling what a little bit of positivity and a little bit of support can do for a person. It, it can move mountains. Absolutely. And obviously the the news with uh, Samad signing um, was was paired with the news that uh, Jonathan Codger has now departed Aston Villa, joining Qatari League Al Ghaffara. Um, you know, Kodja joined Villa in, in the summer of 2016. Um, he made 91 league appearances and over 100 appearances for the club um, overall. Uh, and he scored 29 goals. You know, he had he had a lot of injuries, especially during his second season at the club. And then obviously was was slightly frozen out with the signing of Tammy Abraham last season um, and the signing of Wesley this season. Um you know, he left. He left a very heartfelt message uh, via social media, thanking everyone for their support. Um, what What are some of your favourite Kodja goals or moments? I guess you know, there's a lot of stuff on social media of his his personality um, and things like that. You know, the, the countless celebrations and 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 kind of slick goals. Um, what What's your favourite? 
I, for me, Kaj, like I've, I've always really, really enjoyed him as a player. I just think that it was unfortunate that we took the step up from the championship into the Premier League, and he he didn't get a fair shake. But again, I don't think he was Premier League quality, and that's not a knock on him as a person. That's just how it is. It's a business. Um, you got you got to kind of accept that. I mean, I love as far as like moments I love from Kaj. Like I loved his little celebration with using his right leg as a guitar. I don't know. I've been playing guitar for a long time, so for me, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I can't remember the game it's from. You might be able to help me out with this one. But it was whenever he completely skinned that defender and then, like, put his hands up like he's laughed at him. And then, it, like, <laughs> he, he allows the defender back in and then just burns him again. I can't, I wish I could remember what game that was from. I I have no idea. I want to say, like, QPR or something. Yeah, I but wanna... I... I... I kind of think the same thing. I'm not thing. too sure. But um, as far as like the goals, he had that brace last season against Brentford that, that I was a big fan of. And it was just, you know, he, he it never seemed like he was 100% in the games. But when he did pop up, it, it always seemed like it was a really cool goal or it was just something where it took that kind of took that kind of flair. You needed a more flair player up top to be able to score some of the goals that he that he scored. So I, I don't know. I I think he was he was the right striker for Aston Villa at the time, and I don't think anyone's ever going to be able to take that away from him. Uh, how, how are your feelings on Kaj uh, moving on? Um, you know, it's it's a sad time, um, really. I think, um, like you said, I don't, I don't think he he's Premier League quality, um, and and Dean Smith alluded to that um, in a press conference. I think it was yesterday, um, but. Generally, he he provided sparks and moments of happiness at a club that had just been relegated, and you know that can mean a lot to some people. And I can really understand why a lot of people on on uh, social media are so sad to see him go. I'm I'm quite sad to see him go, but you know, at the same time, if he doesn't want to be at the club, if he doesn't necessarily think he's going to get the opportunities at the club, then I'm happy to see him go. I'd rather. You know, see him enjoying his 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 game somewhere else than being stuck on a bench and not getting game time. Um, and you know, it, the, the money helps as well that we we've got for him. I think it was like two point seven to three million that we we got for him. Um, but you know, th- this lets other players get the opportunity. You know, Samata will come in as our number one. I would think. Um, I, w- I would think that Villa are probably going to sign uh, another striker and it'll probably end up coming on on deadline day. I'll place a pound on that. Um, but to be fair, the last bet I made on this podcast that was that we were going to sign Said by Ben Rama, so maybe <laughs> yeah. not. Maybe it'll come yeah. before that. Yeah, just keep your pound in your pocket, mate. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it, if we don't sign another another player, um, another forward... Then you know we wait on the fitness of of Keane and Davis. We we play Indiana Vasilev as a substitute. You know it's going to be great for his development. So you know that at least we've got the main man in. Yeah, I mean, we we got a striker that like we've looked at for a long time, and it just happened to work for us. Now we needed it. No one could have foreseen this nasty injury that Wesley picked up. No, you know, I mean it's it's a. I'll say it's a damn shame that that Keenan Davis keeps getting these knocks. I wish we can get some some truthful words from the club about what's actually going on with him it's starting to seem like he has some kind of serious uh injury not even an injury issue i I, i'm starting to believe that it might be the same exact injury happening over and over again i don't i'm not a doctor or anything like that but it always seems like it's in his abdomen or he's having upper body issues something of that nature um as far as the depth goes for striker i i 
I think we do bring another striker in. I think that's going to push Indiana Vasilev back to the maybe the third option, number three in the depth chart, if you would, if you will. Um, I think Samad has got to be the main man going forward. And I think this other striker, if we do bring somebody in, I could see it happening around deadline day or on deadline day, but don't look for it to be a household name. I saw a lot of people say, hey, if we got Samada for you know this $8.5 to $10 million range, there's no reason we can't spend $10 million on Benteke things of that even you know Olivier Giroud's name still being flown out there by a lot of the Villa fan base not for me just go get somebody who's serviceable you don't need you know someone who's going to be comfortable and playing in a rotation option not someone who's going to be demanding game time and then throw a fit when they don't you know you need good personalities just like you need good footballers but I don't I don't want to see Villa spent splashing the cash in January you know for some for a name basically if it's somebody obscure somebody you've never heard of before you know that's fine I mean it was different for me and you that with Samada because me and you talked about him before you know, so for me, I, w- I was I was a little privy to what the, what the player brought and what he did, and I, I've seen you know full games of him that I've watched. So for for guys like me and you, it wasn't a big surprise with Samada. But I mean, I don't know who this striker they're going to bring in is though. They should sign Sean Weisman. They should sign. They they should they should sign Sean Weisman. Not only because you just said it, man. Like after you said that on the podcast, like I looked up a lot of his, like a lot of his clips and stats and stuff like that. He'd be a perfect, perfect forward for Villa. But if he ever signs for the Villa, you you, you gotta you gotta knock on the door and say you gotta give me a scouting job. <laughs> um, I don't know why I whispered that. Um, for any fans of ASMR, you're welcome. For any haters of ASMR, I'm sorry. Um. <laughs> But yeah, Koch is not the only only player to have departed in the past week, though. You know, um, Lovre Kalinic has gone on loan to uh, Toulouse or Toulouse. I think it's Toulouse. Um, you know, I, I wrote about this on Saturday morning when when the news broke that there were two clubs in, interested in with him, and that was his former club Genk. Um, so a lot of people jumped on on the idea that perhaps he was going to be involved in some kind of deal with uh, with uh, Samata coming the other way. Um, and then the other club was was Toulouse. and um, you know uh, we spoke about it earlier on social media, um, and and you know there's a buy option in that deal, and you thought that Tolu would would take that up, and obviously I responded, um, saying that you know they're they're the basement boys at the moment in in Liga Un, um, and it's whether you know it makes financial sense um, in Liga Deux. Um so. Whilst we've got him off the books for for at least half a season, I don't necessarily think it's the end of Kalinic at Villa. I don't think he'll ever start for Villa again, but I don't think it necessarily equates that he's he's going to be gone. Yeah, this this is uh, not. I mean, I can't really say it's a strange one. I I think that we bought Kalinic for his name for being a Croatian goalkeeper, being the number one. There, he was beginning to get number one minutes for Croatia. I think we bought him in hopes that maybe he can come here and you know, do a job for us. And it just didn't work out. I mean, I've, I've heard from, you know, my you know very, very limited knowledge that he didn't even really perform well in training half the time, you know, and, and that's, that's not a good sign. And then there was that video that came out, was it last season it came out and it was the warmups before the game and he was on the bench as a substitute or something like that. He's like not even diving for balls at all. Like it's a stadium full of that people. Was, the game. That was, uh, that was Andre Moreira. Was it Moreira? Oh, you're yeah, right. Yeah. I got that confused. No, you're right. Huh. I can't. I, I totally forgot that guy even existed. What was he here for? A cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, but with, with Kalinich, I don't know if he's gonna get. I don't know if, if this if this club's gonna buy him. Um, I, I'm 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 not you know too sure whether whether they will. Um, 
you know, it's whether he's willing to take the drop down to Liga 2 as well, you know. He, um, but, you know, the, he could be that signing for Tilly that helps lift them out of the relegation zone. You never know, but the way they're playing at the moment, I'm not quite sure. Um, and as well as Kalinic's departure, um, I don't know whether it will be announced by the club or, or whether, um, you know, they're just waiting to put the finishing touches on a deal. But uh, the youth defender, uh, Isa Suleiman, is uh, off to Vitor Guimaraes, I think. Um, I've probably butchered that pronunciation, but they're in the Liga Nos. I th- no, I th- I th- I think you got that one. I think you got that one spot on. To be honest with you, thank you. Um, yeah, they're they're, they're a Liga Nos side, um, and I, I can kind of see something happening um, in in the form of uh, Eric Dyer. Um, you know, he he left England to join the the sport in Lisbon youth system. Um, came through their ranks and obviously now is 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 playing for Spurs and is a, an England international. Um, I can't help but feel like Villa maybe should have given him more opportunity, more game time. But fair play, he's he's doing what a lot of uh, young English talents are doing now and, and going abroad to try and find game time and and regular game time at that. Yeah, this one's gonna be a little. This was a little heartbreaking for me seeing that he's he's gonna move on. Um, like you said, under under twenty one England international and whatnot. Uh, I've wrote about him. You've written about him in the past as well. Um, there's a lot of promise there, but I just think it was the wrong time. I I just don't think with Villa getting down into the championship, I I don't think that he was really ever gonna get game time here. Um, it was just too much riding on us trying to get back to the prem as quick as possible, and it's a big gamble to ask a twenty twenty one year old. Uh, even at, I guess 19 even um, to, to step in and do a job so um, you know fair play to him I, I hope he his career goes well and everything but it, I just think it was it was wrong wrong time not even wrong player he has ability there, there's no there's no mistaking that he does have ability it's just for right now where Aston Villa was and now where Aston Villa are presently I just never I didn't think it was ever going to work out for him yeah I think you know he, he has made the right decision to leave and it's it's you know it's probably uh, from his own kind of agenda I, I, he's probably gone to 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 Dino and said listen is there any kind of chance that I would get game time and Dino's probably turned around and said no you're probably sixth or seventh choice here um you you're free to leave if you, if you want to and he's just probably taken him up on that um so you know I can't blame him but I just hope we don't come to regret it in the future yeah and that's that's where you have this um uh, who's the who's the player that went up to Leicester and is playing pretty decent there? Is that Mitch Clark? Yes. Did we let go? Yeah, Mitch Clark. Yeah, As I, I hear I got a couple of friends of mine that are Foxes supporters, and they say, "What the hell were you guys doing letting him walk away?" Um, so you know, you know, you never like to see that kind of thing happen, and. You know, hopefully it doesn't come back to bite us. But again, I think he's a Solomon's. A, I think he's a talent. Not that he's gonna. Uh, you know, I'm not. I don't think he's gonna turn into some world-beating defender by any means. But I, I do think that he's a player that he's let him get a little bit older. Let his physicals kind of you know drop into play a little bit. Um, more experience. You know, playing against you know people a little bit older to him. I, I think he'll turn out to be fine. But I mean, again, I I covered this guy for a couple couple seasons and. It's one of those things where I wanted him to work out so bad at Villa, but you know it doesn't always shake down that way. Absolutely. Um, let's move on to tonight's game then. The thing that we've we've been waiting to talk about, and and the listeners have been waiting to hear about, um, and and that's that's you know the, the 
the absolutely outstanding fight back against Watford. Um, you know, Villa were in control for large swathes of the game. Um, and, you know, from from the off, really, uh, you know, Villa were putting Watford under pressure. Um, but, you know, pushes forward didn't really result in much. Um, especially quite early on in the game, you know, Danny Drinkwater, who, you know, as we previously mentioned, was slated on social media following his selection over Douglas Louise. It looked like one of the brighter sparks early on, and then he kind of faded out of the game. You know, did, did do you think Drinkwater looked like he was getting better, or or, or was was I mistaken? No, I, I think you're right. You're right there. I mean, he did kind of fade off in the latter stage of the game, up to him being substituted. But I think that he is getting better. And look, I think he is. I think it's going to get better. I think you're going to see a, a steady incline of his form. Um, the guy didn't play a lot of Premier League games, you know, but he is Premier League experienced. He has has won a Premier League title. So again, like we were talking previously, you kind of just got to you know pump the brakes a little bit on this. Uh, he's he's crap. Get him out of there. Why is he even starting him? Henry Lansbury is better than him. Just let let him. Uh, Dino obviously sees something in this player, and trust in this player to be able to do a job for Villa. So you're just gonna have to wait it out. You're just gonna have to be patient. I talked to a couple supporters before the Watford game today on Twitter, and they were saying, "Oh, he's just not gonna cut it," or you know, um, you know, he's better coming off the bench. But coming off the bench and not being included in games isn't gonna get him up to speed. It's not gonna get his match sharpness up at all. So. If this is something that Dino sees to throw drink water in, you know, you have you have to, you know, kind of hold your hands up and say, OK, maybe Dino knows something that, that I don't. But I do think he's getting better. And it's it's just about the patience. He's just got to be afforded time to, you know, get to his best form. Yeah. And I think, you know, you've got to look at the fact that from from the I'm not going to count the Man City game because. That was a shit show, um, but from the t- the two other games, we've got four points where where he started games. Uh, granted, we've gone behind uh, both times, but you know something something's working. Uh, probably not as well as it could be or should be, but you know I'm happy to let Drinkwater get up to speed. Um, as long as we get points from the game, as long, in as, at least in games that we're expected to get points from. Yeah, and that, that's a, that's a fair point, you know, because I mean, listen, he he was paired today. I mean, we're we're recording this literally like maybe an hour after the Watford game. So I mean, if you think about it, him and Marvelous in the combat, they did not look bad in that midfield area. They didn't all game. Well, I mean, Drinkwater was trying to get a little bit more forward. Nakamba was he he, I I dare to say it was probably one of the top three games Nakamba's played in the Villa shirt this season. I really think he was that good. But uh, Drinkwater's you know still getting acclimated. He's getting comfortable with some of the midfielders around him. But I, I again I think it's just all about the patience with that center mid pairing. And you know, it's unfair to players like Connor Horahan. It's it's unfair to players like Douglas Louise. But you know that that center mid pairing today, I, I thought they played brilliantly for me. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you in in regards to Nakamba. I thought Nakamba looked excellent. Um, and, you know, he's another player that's. I think it's it's the whole Villa fan thing, um, and there always has to be a scapegoat if things aren't going well. Um, we've written about it, we've talked about it, and a lot of a lot of fans do agree. Um, we need to just take a step back, you know. Players are going to have bad games. Players are going to have brilliant games. Just get on with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't need to go onto social media and say this player's this or this player's that or this player isn't fit to wear the shirt, because you'll be made to eat your words eventually. That player will do something, and you'll be like, shit. Okay, no, I, I messed up there. 
Yeah, I've I've been one of those people, you know, I've I've slagged off players before and then they score 3 minutes later, you know, it's it's not a good feeling, but you know, in the in the case of Drinkwater and even some of the players we signed in the summer, you're still just going to have to give them a little bit of time. They they're, they're going to show what they're about. Um but yeah, I I thought definitely within the first I don't know, 20 to 25 minutes. I thought Danny Drinkwater definitely showed what he's capable of, but I, I think his stamina is still getting there. I think I just think, you know, there were, there were signs where the camera would pan up to him or show a replay, and it looked like he was a little gassed, but I like that. It shows that he's putting it all out there. He's putting everything he's got into it, and as long as you do that, the supporters will get behind you, but he's going to have to he's going to have to show it more and more and more to get these supporters off his back and, you know, at his backside and support a little bit more. I agree. Um you know, from the twentieth minute or so onwards, you know, Villa looked quite relentless in in their pressure, and you know, Watford struggled to get out of their own half quite early on. Um, when they did get out of the half, I think it was just before the the thirty minute mark. Um, I can't remember who took the shot. I think it might have been Pereira, but he shot it just directly at the back of Tyro Ming's head, um, and you know, Ming's absolutely just like falls to the floor, like you know, this colossus, just kind of like. It was almost like a a tree falling in a forest. Um, you know that shot's probably something that would decapitate a lesser man. You know, on my head it would have been certainly in the goalpost between in between the goalposts. Um, luckily for us, you know, Minks uh, recovered quickly. And it was a bit of a scary moment, but it's just another one of those great kind of effortless blocks that that Ming seems to make, whether he meant it or not. Yeah, it's another thing to just chalk up to the legend of Tyron Mings at Aston Villa. Um, it, it was scary, though. I mean, he's taking it right on the side of the head, kind of near the temple ear area. That can be scary as hell, especially that, that ball had a lot of pace on it, and it, it wasn't very far away from him at all. So it, it was a bit of a scary moment, but, you know, Mings collapsed, and then you got to give him credit, man. He just sprung right back up, you know, and that's – I couldn't believe it. I think, like – any ordinary human being that would have been that would have been the night that would have been it that's an early shower you know you're going in the you know protocols for concussion the whole nine yards he jumped right back up and got right back at it I, he i mean he he has all the respect in the world for me for who he is as a, as a person before a player but this is one of the things where i was like this this man is locked in he he knows he has a role to play here he knows he has a duty to fulfill and he's going to do it for aston villa even if he gets drilled in the side of the head with a absolute thunder bastard yeah, I mean, the the first goal of the game was a little bit against the run of play, would you say? Um, as thirty thirty eighth minute in the game, uh, Gerald Delafeu found himself on the edge of the box thanks to a a strong pass, kind of he kind of played him towards the right hand side of the of the box, and he kind of floated in the ball for for Troy Deeney, um, and Deeney gets between Concer and Gilbert. And just kind of, you know, absolutely powerhouses it home uh, for his sixth goal in four games against Villa. And it was always going to be that way, wasn't it? You know, it was always going to be Troy Deeney. Um, and of course, he, he gave it large to the halt end. And, you know, fans didn't react kindly to that. Uh, the the fans were never and the Holt were never ever going to react kindly to this, but yeah, it was always going to be Deeney, especially with the little dig that Dean Smith had before, you know, before the game in his, in his, his uh, pre match press conference. He made a little bit of a, an allusion to uh, or uh, alluding to Deeney being a Birmingham City fan and all those kind of things, and how Deeney has a Birmingham City tattoo on his calf and all these things. But yeah, like I mean, we said it the when we played Watford when they you know they kind of beat us ragged a little bit was that you know <laughs> Deeney's a competitive guy and um 
a lot of people don't like him. They might think that, you know, that persona that he has on the pitch is the persona he has as a person. I don't believe that. Um, I, I think he's probably a really cool guy off the pitch. And I know he's a Birmingham City fan. I know he scores against us often. And, you know, he gives it large and all that kind of thing. But I think that's just his competitive spirit. And if he wasn't a blue nose, you would want him on the villa. I'll stick my neck out on the line and say that. He, he is a, he's a big-bodied, you know, striker. Obviously, he can get up in the air. We saw that today. Um, so, yeah, it was it was going to be Deeney no matter what, though. I, I just – it's it's a shitty thing to happen, but it was always going to be Troy Deeney in this game. No, absolutely. Um, and, you know, in, in the second half, uh, you know, Villa came at the blocks looking – once again like the stronger side and they looked to fight towards an equaliser um, luckily for the Villa they had Pepe Reina in goal uh, and he made a hero of himself in the 54th minute denying Troy Deeney a second um, after he, he kind of palmed across into Deeney's path before stopping the ball um, from Deeney's shot and then again as Tyro Mings failed to clear um, and you know really we're quite blessed to see this calming influence coming from Reina um and he he did a few a few smart things in 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 this game and you know you know it, it's one of those things isn't it like I'm very proud to be able to say that you know Pepe Reina is Villa's keeper at the moment yeah and like he's surprising the hell out of me and I know what kind of quality he has been in his career but I, I was worried about how he was going to be coming to the villa like now like 2019-2020 season if he was going to be able to pull off some of these saves that I remember him for that I've seen clips of him uh, you know pulling off and so far he, he's passed that test with flying colors uh, he's locked in smart plays um, you know he, he, there's a pattern of play in the Wofford game where the ball is dropping real real close to the net you know from a high distance you're like oh shit who's, who's this falling to and you know Pepe Reina is up over everybody to catch it he fumbles a little bit and whatnot um there was uh, at the end of the game he comes up to catch a ball I think it was on a corner a free kick and the uh, Watford player just drills him and, and instead of like staying down and trying to time keep he's you know Pepe Reina jumps right up on his feet and he's trying to get that ball ball out of his 18 as fast as possible so I, I, you can't undervalue experience in the Premier League and you sure as hell can't whenever you're in a relegation scrap and that's where Villa have, have found themselves here in, in the recent months so I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that Pepe Reina is between the sticks, man. And if if we didn't have him in there, from what I'm seeing so far from him, I I, I don't know what what you know what it would be like. Basically, you, you need that kind of experience head at the back in between the sticks. Uh, you know what? I, I, we're we're not going to disagree with with each other on 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 things like that. Um, and you know, as we've said, while while Nealand was an adequate replacement for for Heaton, Reina's just that. That you know that that meter or two better, um, but luckily for Villa, uh, the equaliser came as Jack Grealish fended off the approach of four, four, three or four uh, Watford defenders before playing the ball into Matt Target, whose shot was parried to the far post, and f- thankfully Douglas Louise was waiting to net into the the empty half net, um, and. You know, he his his celebration kind of said something, didn't he? You know, he rushed into the crowd and kind of like dived into there. Um, you know, I, I was half expecting him never to return. Um, it was kind of when you you know you're at a gig and you just see your friend run into the middle of a wall of death or a mosh pit or something, and you're like, okay, I'm not going to see them till the end of the night then. Um, and you know, it was the second game in a row that Louise has come on as a sub and and really quickly impacted the game. And f- for me, he has to start uh, in our next game. 
Yeah, he has to start for me too. And I like I, I was saying earlier, man, I think that something about Danny Drinkwater coming in, and I think Louise is like, well, what's wrong with me? Why, why, why can't I get more game time? You know, I'm, I'm fit. You know, I'm, I'm in a better stamina, a better flair on the ball. You know, so I, I, th- I think at least that 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 might some have something to do with how he's played these past couple of games, even coming on in a substitute capacity. Look, I, th- I think he's going to be a, f- a phenomenal talent. I hope it is always with us, Aston Villa. Um, but yeah, I think that the celebration for this goal definitely signaled of like I'm, I'm here. And I, I would hope that you'd, you'd want to use me and you'd want more moments like this. I mean, we, we've scored. We, now we've seen him after today. We've seen him score in a couple of different ways. You know, this kind of a little bit of fortuitous, you know, nature that it fell to him. But it's, you know, he's getting into the box. We know he can curl one from outside the box. You know, we, we know that he can have little moments of, of brilliant flair on the ball in the middle of the park. Even when he's pressured, sometimes he can do a, a little step over or something and completely send his man the opposite way. And then even if he's just pa- passing back to the defense, that's still a big thing. So I really I really like Douglas Louise as a player. I think he has a part to play here uh, for the long haul. So I just I just hope he stays an Aston Villa player, continues to grow with this club as the club's growing itself. And uh, yeah, I, I, he's got to find a way in. But I mean, who do you who do you bench? You know, to to bring him in is is it is it drink water? Is it Nakamba? You know that th- these are the kind of decisions I, I don't I don't envy uh, Dean Smith having to make. Yeah, I think I think generally it would be it would be um, it would be drink water. But obviously you, you've got to you've got to think you know what's going through through Dean's head. Is he thinking do a speed to Dougie and kind of say you know you, you're making these impacts off the bench so I'm going to keep using you off the bench it's one of those things um, but whilst he's in such good form it would be wise to use him to the best of his ability um, you know Villa continued the pressure after this goal and you know Jack Grealish continued to get knocked around the pitch as he always does um, and he, he did have a, a very weak shout for a penalty in the 88th minute um, but you know he went down far too easily just a loss of his balance really Um it was never really a serious case for a penalty, and but it was a case of Grealish always kind of kind of trying to do it on his own, um, and you know things things carried on after that um, for the next three or four minutes with Villa just trying to edge further into into Watford's half, and they won a free kick, and it ended up being the last kick of the game, and Pepe Reina hoofs a, a free kick into the uh, the Watford area, which was won by. Courtney Hawes and then Tyrone Mings before Mings kind of pokes a ball when he's being dispossessed towards Henry Concer who most people thought uh, curled a shot into the top corner which was really not bad for a centre-back but it turns out that um, as Tyrone Mings was dispossessed he's doing this barrel roll thing and he's, he's heel um, you know he's up in the air and Concer's shot bounces off that and deflects the ball into the corner, um, and it's been given as as Mings's goal. Um, I've seen a video just recently, um, you know, a couple of minutes ago, whilst whilst Mark was talking, of Conter's reaction that the goal wasn't his, and you know, it's absolutely heartbreaking to see he's really, really disappointed um, with that. But you know, how how important was this this last minute goal, regardless of who it was from? I'd love to give it to Conter, but how, how important do you think it is? Oh, it's absolutely massive, mate. It's this is a this is a big time goal, big time result. Um, I'm not saying that that you know if, if the result of this game ended in a draw, that it would have been absolute horrible and the sky is falling down. But like getting 
getting three points back on a team that basically dismantled you previously in, in, in like semi-recent past, uh, I think that's a really, really positive thing. And you could kind of feel that this, this goal was coming for me. It, um, you can tell that Villa was just kind of trying to inch and inch and inch their way forward, finally got there. I mean, I'm heartbroken that it's not Conte's goal because, man, that celebration, I mean, I, I've got a cold and, and the whole nine yards. I'm eating cough drops like they're candy, and like my, I was screaming at the top of my lungs. Like I, it was, it was just one of those goals that we're gonna look back on, you know, even if it's the end of the season. It was just like that was one of the one of the coolest moments that happened. Um, absolute elation all, all through Villa Park. Holden was going absolutely mad. Um, 20 minutes after this goal went in, I'm seeing it all over Twitter, people showing their battle scars from the absolute limbs and, and the and the Holden and stuff like that. I love it. Absolutely love stuff like that. So not only is it a positive result for Villa as a team, it's a positive result for Villa fan base and supporters to know that like we can that we can claw ourselves back into a game. Um, it's It's kind of another case that the first half performance wasn't like, like a, a really really great or anything like that but to be able to claw back from one nil down to two two one winners there that's a big thing against a, a team that's basically still a relegation rival what do you think about it Regan? it's possibly the turning point of the season you know i don't want to put my foot in my mouth but that's a really really important three points especially going uh into bournemouth uh next weekend on the first of february um not this weekend next weekend um and you know that they won three 0 tonight or three one tonight, I think against Brighton. Um, so that that was a really important three points. It takes us as it stands out of the relegation zone. Um, I, I believe we could fall back in there if all the results go against us. Um, but you know it's a great win and a great win for the confidence as well. Um, who was your man of the match, Mark? Oh man, see, I've been kicking, I've been kicking this around. Um, I. I there's a part of me that wants to say marvelous in the combo because there was a couple times there they looked like Villa were skinned and the ball was going the other way and 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 Watford had numbers going the other way and he he found a way to either sprint back and make a tackle he made a sliding challenge I can't remember what minute it was um, it was absolutely phenomenal um, I I think he kind of got to give it to Pepe Reina too so I don't know I'm kind of split down the middle with those two and it, you know it's not a knock on Louise for the goal it's not a knock on uh, Mings or Conza for his however you want to call that one so I, I don't know I, I'm kind of split between Reina and Nakamba what about you who was who your man of the match against Watford this might surprise you it might surprise a couple of the listeners but my man of the match was Matt Target um, he was a constant outlet down that left hand side especially to attacking wise um, you know, very unlucky not to have scored. Um, he, you know, there, there were balls pinged to him that he, he always seemed to control. Um, you know, every kind of ball that was played towards him, he'd head out for a throw. Um, you know, the, people say that he's a bit lax defensively, but he, the last couple of games he's looked all right. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd give it to Matt Target. I... I... Can't argue with you on that one. That might be surprising a lot of people, but Villa definitely tried to pinpoint the left-hand side of the field a lot, and I've seen a lot in the first half as well. Um, so, yeah, I think I think Target's not a bad shout. I, I think he, he's been playing a lot better, and I think that playing in a wing-back system such as Dean Smith is now utilizing, I think he was always going to look a better player in that rather than just a flat-back four. Well, yeah, because it, it allows him to... You know, get further up the pitch without that worry. Um, he's got the cover of Courtney Hawes behind him. Um, and you saw it a couple of times against Watford that he'd be kind of uh, stepping further up the pitch to try and dispossess a Watford player. And 
you know, if he was beaten, you'd see Courtney Hawes coming coming over to to kind of sweep up. Um, and I'm happy with how that's working. You know, there there are downsides to 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 Courtney Hawes at times, but more often than not, he he does what he's required of him quite well. Um, so that left hand side of the defence is is you know quite strong for me. Uh, if they can cut out a couple of the mistakes, then you know that, that's that's a kind of partnership that can can really flourish. Yeah, I agree with you. And there was times that where Courtney Horace has surprised me since going to this uh, three at the back system where like sometimes he just seems like he has like really, really rapid pace when when closing down a, a, a player. I don't know why it seems like that to me. It seems like he's never getting there. Oh, he got there. That's crazy. Never expected to see that out of Courtney Horace. He did it a couple times the night against some uh, against some pacier forwards. Um it wasn't too too often. It wasn't like six seven times, but there are definitely like two or three patterns of play where I, I, I'd saw Courtney Horse get back because of Matt Target running forward, and I was like, "Wow, damn! I, I can't believe he actually you know, got to that ball, or I can't believe he, you know, caught up to that that pacey uh, forward to stick a foot in to get it, you know, either back to Mings or back to Pepe Reina." So I, I think that the defense is definitely since since going to this system, I think they're going to be a lot better. Not only better for just the team, but also better from themselves. You know, Mings is a little bit of a general back there in the middle of that that back three so i mean i'm i'm loving it so far man and like i know dino and you know the whole team and the whole atmosphere the supporters wanted to come in with this 4-3-3 formation run the show running and gun and pedal to the floor every single game but in reality man that's just it, it sounds so nice in theory but it's so hard to keep up with you need to have so much stamina so much fitness and familiarity and, and villa you know didn't have that while they were using it so i hope we stick to this formation for the rest of the season i would think that we would we would um It'd be good to get a comparison of of kind of statistically which one which one we look better in. Um, but you know you'd need an even number of games, and we've just not been um, utilizing it as as often um, as the four three three like we did earlier in the season. Um, next up is the second leg of the Carabao Cup semi final against Leicester City um, at Villa Park next Tuesday, and you know coming off the back of two well fought results. Um, and with it being one all after the first leg, uh, is there any reason to believe that Villa can't find themselves in a in a cup final at Wembley? I mean, I'm I'm one of them people that dares the dream. So especially coming off such a inspired uh, win against Watford, something that you know the boys know they needed to happen, and you know clawed back to get it. I I think you're going to see a little bit of a gusto coming out of Villa against this game and I you know I'd, I'd really really be surprised if they laid a goose egg against Leicester I think they're going to take the game to them or at least try to we know that Leicester's a great side um, they're playing really really well they got a lot of big time players but I don't know I, I like to think with with the the pattern of play that we saw in the 1-1 I think it's going to be a little bit of a different game I think it's going to be a little bit more back and forth um I don't think it's going to be like you're going to see, you know, over four goals or five goals scored. I don't think it's going to be, you know, anything like that. But I do think that Villa, you know, with this, find themselves with a little bit of belief. Um, and yeah, so who, who knows what can happen? But I wouldn't, I wouldn't count this Villa team out just yet. I think that's the perfect place to end this week's podcast. Uh, as always, guys, if you've enjoyed listening to our rambles about Aston Villa, um, please do leave us a review uh, or, or a comment or a like or a subscription on whatever platform you're listening on. Um, you can follow us and keep up to date with us on our social medias. Um, 
as mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast, you can find my personal Twitter um, at FindFoy. You can find Mark's at VillaMarkPGH. Um, you can follow our collective blog at VillaLamp um, on Twitter, forward slash under a gaslit lamp on Facebook, and at under a gaslit lamp on Instagram. Thanks for listening, guys, and up the villa.